Randomly with Ronnie Jr. All right, so we are chatting with DJ Richie Sky. S-K-Y-E, I want to get to what that actually means, because every name means more than you would ever know. He is a housewife super fan, I could say that much. I've had an opportunity to work with him on a couple of occasions, and would it be crazy if I said you, at this point, along with a hundred other things you do, you are a YouTube star, or are you a reality TV expert? <laughs> Talk to me, Richie. How are you today? I'm good. I, I probably would consider myself a reality TV fan and expert at this point. Just I, I think just from loving it so much and then I almost feel like I obsessed my way into the Bravo family, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And you did a Bravo show also, a Bravo show that my beautiful body could never do. Tell us about the Bravo show you did. How did you get linked up with it? And that probably was what opened up audiences for you to have a strong point of view about other reality shows because you did one yourself. Yeah. Um, so I honestly, I can't remember how I got my audition. I just remember them contacting me and it was for a show called Stripped. And at the time, there had never been anything like it on TV, I think, except for maybe like Naked and Afraid, if that's probably the only thing I could compare it to. Um, so it was that April of, I think like 2016, I got the call to do the audition and it was kind of like a, it was a Skype situation. Yeah. Um, it was, it lasted for two hours. Um, and after that two hours, I didn't hear anything from them for another probably six months. So they come, they, I got a text message in October asking if I was still interested in the show. And I was like, Okay, but I mean, the, the crazy thing about that is I felt like I'd had a pretty hard summer. I think LA, and I think we've talked about this a lot before, is that it, LA is a very lonely place, which is very interesting, uh, especially if you're from the East Coast, like I was. And so I didn't work out or anything like that over the summer. I was just kind of like working because um, I found a, like a pretty sustainable job, which is also kind of difficult to find in LA at times. And so I was working, I was putting all my energy and effort into that and obviously still hosting and stuff like that at AfterBuzz because I just started there. And so I got the text message from them and they're like, hey, are you still interested in the show? And I was like, uh, sure, yeah. So, you know, we had some emails back and forth and um, they were like, well, we, can we meet you at your apartment? You know, so I said, okay, leave from lunch, from work, go home to my apartment so they can meet me and see what my apartment looks like still don't know that I'm gonna to have to be naked. At this point, I don't know. So then like, after I signed the contract, I was kind of nervous about that because the contract is like, it's some serious stuff. Like- yeah. Lots of, lots of uh, control. <laughs> a lot, okay? And I was like, I'm afraid to kind of give up that control. But then they were like, I finally signed and um, I learned about negotiating. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. And then, um, I think at some point, probably maybe a week before, they took me out to dinner. And it was the three producers, the two associate producers and the main producer. And the <laughs> they basically told me over dinner and drinks that I would have to be naked. And so at that point, I was like, oh, but you know, I've already signed up. And yeah, I don't think it really hit me then. And so the next week, I was like, okay, well, let's just do it. And because they that, it seems like they almost salivate your, your like, what this could do for, A, my career or an experience. 
And then it's like right up to the wire. It's like, you know, oh, would you play ball with this? Would you play ball with this concept? And then all of a sudden nudity was, was something you had to like make sort of a game time decision. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, to be truthful, they could have told me before and they probably did, but I probably just glossed over it because the whole process happened so fast. So when they really made it abundantly clear that that was going to be the case, I just kind of like said, okay, well, it wasn't a situation where I felt tricked or anything like that. It just was a situation where this is going to be how it is. But I'm thinking it's television. So I'm not, I'm not worried about people seeing me um, on television naked. I think it was just like, Oh, okay. Well, I didn't think about that, but never did I think that I would be naked on TV either. So, <laughs> And the thing that was interesting about your show is, yes, you talked about Naked and Afraid, but I think that show was more to be funny and gimmicky yeah. and, or, and or, I guess, hooking up because they, I, well, no, they were doing tasks. But basically, yes, the stripped word is what you think of. But, like, I've watched the series and I've watched all the episodes. Yours was a bit of a finale episode. Um, and it really did have context of, like, what, what it's, I mean, people aren't going to get outside of the strip part, the naked part, but there is a concept from when I watched the show about being like stripped down to your core. And you mentioned that a little bit while you said, because you were throwing yourself into work, your, your weight was not maybe intact or whatever. So it was a really good show. And I think that is what gives you a little bit more of a point of view with reality TV as an expert, because there is a bit of a song and dance. I did a TLC episode, TLC Network episode, and there was that let's play ball. Ronnie, will you play ball with this and that and this? And I remember being like, oh, okay, and then yes, and then no, and then and then no, uh, unless you're willing to pay my rent. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that is what, A, makes you an expert, but it makes me, there's so much people online that are talking about pop culture, reality TV, but what I, I like hearing it from you because there's a relatability that I have from the experiences that I've had as well. Um, what, what shows are you loving and how do you think that your channel continues to gain more and more fans each and every day? I think the last time I looked on it, it was like, you say one thing about Kenya Moore, love Kenya Moore, and 90 comments. While I know you earn that, Richie, it's still something I'm sure you don't take for granted. No, I don't take that for granted at all. I mean, uh, which, well, I'll answer the first part first. What shows am I watching? Obviously, Atlanta, Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm excited for Potomac to come back. I am, I'm a big fan of Real Housewives of New York. I wish it was on year round. <laughs> um, Beverly Hills surprised the hell out of me um, with this past episode. I, I, but I've always been a Beverly Hills fan since season one. So, for me, it's like I've been kind of rooting for it to kind of get back to its glory days. What else am I watching? Obviously, uh, loving hip hop is uh, something that I'm doing pretty pretty frequently on my channel now. I'm trying to get really consistent with that. And outside of that, I, I watch a lot of Netflix shows and stuff like that on Hulu and stuff. You know, really, I'm watching Ozark at the moment, and that's really really good. And The Center, that's also pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Center was the one that Michelle Buteau voiceovered, and it was they all. Oh no, The Center. This is the one, it's one, it's, so it's two seasons, right? It's one season, the first one stars Jessica Biel. And then the second season, I'm, I haven't started it yet. I just finished the one with Jessica Biel and it was really, really good. So Sentai. I like mystery intrigue type stuff when I'm watching yeah. like television, like scripted TV. So I watch a lot of that. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I love reality. I watch, you know, Housewives of New York. I think Sonia Morgan is, 
is, you know, a poet and um, it's good and all. And I don't know if you run into this because you're consuming it. It's, it's very they, jolty at times, you know, it's either drama or like a jolt of fun. Um, I think that's really cool that you are almost uh, opening your palate to like scripted. I don't know if that's for your own personal intake or, you know, maybe you're going to at some point broaden your, your brand from reality to, to just TV expert in general. Well, to be kind of truthful, I'm, I'm definitely broadening in the sense of just trying to, I mean, I think it's one thing to sort of focus heavily. Like when you when you're on YouTube, it's kind of like the way the algorithm works, it'll help you with something. If you are an expert at this, it helps your CPM, it helps you grow. But I think you also have to make room to expand to other different things and sort of do that gradually and introduce your audience gradually to something else that you might like and then sort of get their feedback and then you build from there. So I think at there will come a time because of this whole quarantine situation where there may be a gap in shows. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming that could be around, you know, November, December, because Right now, specifically with what I do with Love and Hip Hop, even with Housewives, all of these shows are going to come to an end and nothing's able to film right now. So anything that's able to film probably won't start until July or August. Mm. And so at that point, we know that typically it could take, you know, four to five months to film a season. And then it could take also, you know, another two months for them to even edit the first couple of episodes. And then not to mention the color correcting, all that other stuff that kind of goes into it that really gives the show its gloss. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do at that point, but I guess we'll see. He's like, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. That's exactly. Um, exactly. I'm going to do a compliment to you and then a question. And the compliment's going to be as simple as this. Again, Richie and I got a chance to work on an AfterBuzz project, re recapping one of the Housewife shows. It was fantastic. But the compliment here is when I tell you he is open or has been open to, let's say, our colleagues, I guess you would say, to, to like give every bit of knowledge that he's learned in this arena is something I have not seen in a while. You know, everything from here's the royalty-free music to this is how it's working for me or if you want to get involved in the, 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 the health herbal tea and 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 maybe, you know, showcasing that on your channel. I will say that even me, as I'm starting my project, like I've asked Richie about 15,000 questions. So kudos to you for just like having that. Um, I never would have expected it. So it's very, when and if, but then when I'm successful as shit, um, I'll remember these kinds of moments because it took a lot of vulnerability for me to do it. Maybe I got in my own way, but whatever, it's done, we're going forward and, it's even hard to admit that, but I really, really, really appreciate you being able to be like, yep, here's the answer, boom, and, and hurry up. <laughs> um, now to the question. One of the things that makes Richie really good at this, not just because he did a reality show, but I want you to tell me about right before you did this, you had an actual journal, journalistic job in Miami, and I wanna know what that experience feels like to like have that television job terrestrial television, something I think we work to, and there's a lot of credibility in it. And then that project ending, and how did you feel at that moment? Was that the impetus to switch over to YouTube? Okay, so um, first, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. I love just helping people. I feel like I don't understand why more people don't, but that's just me. <laughs> um, so 
you're right. It is something I think a lot of us sort of aspire towards in terms of working to get that network gig, that's that that daily talk show type situation. And I was really excited about it when I first got there. And you know, come this is how I always come into a situation. I come into every situation probably a bit naive. Um but I always feel like I'm coming in with a ray of sunshine. I literally do because I'm just happy to be there, right? And so what I discovered was that everybody's not a ray of sunshine, okay? <laughs> um, a lot of people, I, just to be real with you, I think that there was a co-host that I had there um, who I shall not name, right? Um, but this particular co-host was just... I just felt like this person did everything in their power to try to minimize and and me as a person as well as a host and try to sabotage me in a lot of different ways. Um, things that happen kind of behind the scenes. But yet when I confronted the situation up front, because I'm also a very direct person too. So like if there's an issue, then I would rather talk about it. I'm not aggressive with it, but I'm very direct. So when I asked this person about what what well what's going on what's what's your experience with me that causes you to do all of these things because I know everything that you've done, and but but then you know honestly, I'm thinking to myself we're not on Good Morning America, like this is the show that we're on. Yes, it was syndicated. Yes, it was on CW Fox and all these other networks. Yes, I went in every day and tried to give it my all. Was I the, the best at it? No, I was me. And actually, I was less of me. That's another thing, too. Mm. You know, when you are in a situation, to me, where I'm the only Black man, not only that, I'm a Black man with a bunch of tattoos and piercings, mm. you, you kind of tie this, told this line of like, you know, am I going to be the real me or am I going to be conservative me that I feel like people want to see on television because I know what they're used to having in this environment. And then being the only black man there, and it's not like it was a black or white thing because the, the, mo the majority of the people that I worked with were Cuban. So it was, it was just, there was a lot of things going on. Now granted, nobody, dis nobody, I never felt any type of like racism or anything like that. That's not why I mentioned this. I just mean to say that I just, I was the only one of me there. And to have the experience of somebody who has way more experience than me really try to derail me just because I'm new, it was very disappointing. So I think it colored a lot of my experience while I was there, but I did gain a lot of experience as well, like interviewing people, learning, learning how to read a teleprompter, listen to someone speaking in your ear at the same time, and then have a conversation at all of that's happening all at once. So you learn a lot. And what I learned is that, number one, it's not for me. That's just the bottom line. Um, the other thing I learned is I still want to do it, even though it's not for me, but I want to do it when I want to do it and how I want to do it. Nice. So for at, at that point, I started to, around the December of that year, of I think of 2018, I started to feel like I'm a little bit unhappy with this whole situation. And I started to look for other, you know, not really other opportunities, but like, what else can I be doing with my time? Because honestly, I'm only working four hours a day. Did you also so, feel that 
your time was up there because of you or because of them or both? Well, actually that person that I felt like I was getting all the negativity from got removed. So <laughs> that's just, I mean, to karma, me, that's always like, God. Like Carly, like Carly Red says, karma, and she's coming for you. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I couldn't be happier. But at when that happened, a lot more responsibility fell on me and my other co-host to really make a great show. And she and I honestly had literally the best chemistry ever. Um, but she's Cuban. I'm black, right? And this is, it, what happens is the masses, middle America, mm -hmm. you're going to need a white person. You have to. You have to balance that out. At the end of the day, if it was just a Miami show, that would have been fine. But looking at the, looking at the spectrum, when you're looking at the, the two hosts, you're going to need a white person for these audiences that you're trying to reach, bottom line. And so when the show ended up moving to Orlando, that's what they hired. They hired two white people. I'm not mad at that at all because I understand the business now. I understand who we are marketing to. I understand who the buyers are. I understand who the advertisers are. And that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, you, you need to have some level of diversity. That's my thought. But you also have people who look like the population that you're trying to attract. So I'm not mad at that at all. I think what I was mad at was that I was only told that Friday <laughs> we got our paychecks and then they were like, okay, well, we're about to go move to Orlando. But again, did not harbor any negativity because I felt like, okay, God, you just told, I was, I was saying that I was unhappy, blessed and thankful for the experience because it got me, it, it taught me so much. Like I wouldn't even be on YouTube if I hadn't done that. So in doing that, I had talked to someone I had interviewed on the show and he says, and I, I say this all the time, Funky Daniva, he was like, you need to be on YouTube. And I said, well, I don't even know what I would talk about. But then I thought, well, I did Housewives when I was at AfterBuzz, why don't I just make my own AfterBuzz TV? And I talked to Kevin Undergaro. Okay. I texted him and he said, you need Maria to yourself. Maria Menounos' husband from AfterBuzz, yeah. Yep. I said, he said, you need to brand yourself because I had kept in contact with him throughout the whole process of being at the, at the other, at the, uh, the talk show. And so he, you know, he gave me that advice. And honestly, that next week, I had a video that went viral and I never stopped. Dude, I'm just proud of it just because I'm the and I hate to make it about myself, but just your story resonates. Like, I feel like I messed up because I was the flip side of that version. Like, similar to you, you move out to another city, go do a, a, a job, a TV job in your case. Mine was a radio job, move across country. And when mine, and I'm only saying this, and I don't want it to be about myself, but I, I when mine failed, I crumbled. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it just really, it always... I love to continue to go through the story with you because I did watch it. You know what I mean? Like I was watching the end. Like I, I was like, you know, cause of course we follow on Instagram and support and, you know, a uh, message or whatnot. And I was like, Oh, he's doing his TV show, but he's also infusing YouTube. And then when the TV show ended, you just like sailed, sailed the moon with the YouTube. Um, so that is that bit of motivation, which is why I wanted this conversation. Obviously you and I, we could cackle about, Housewives forever, but I wanted this conversation to be very true. Hollywood story meets behind the music. Um, proud of the success. I don't even need to ask any more questions about the YouTube because it is smoking and it's going to continue to do so. We all know that. Is there any other parts of your story that is imperative to 
some of the successes and even setbacks of your career. When I think of your name, DJ Richie Sky, was there like a moment that you staunchly were going to go just into music? And how do you continue to reshift and do the uh, the Joan Rivers of it all, which is a uh, reinvent? <laughs> um, so I used to, uh, believe it or not, I used to rap, right? So I've always been into music, all that good stuff. And around, I think, 2007, I released an album. I was in a group. And, and then 2008, I moved to DC. So my group mate was in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and I was in DC. So she basically decided that she couldn't do it anymore and I needed to figure out what else I needed to do. And so I decided that, oh, okay, well, I'll just do this myself. I'll just continue rapping myself. And my, a friend of mine, so funny, this is so funny. A friend of mine was like, hey, let's do a YouTube show. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I don't know. He was like, we can talk about like hot topics and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, fine. I got into a car accident. So totaled my car and he wanted to film like two days later. And I'm like sitting there like doped up on medication. So we did it sitting on my couch talking about whatever we wanted to talk about. And we called the show, The Morning Wood Show. The, all these things are still on YouTube from way back when. So in doing that, we ended up you know, interviewing like Lil Mo, Frank Gadsden, who used to choreograph for Beyonce, Luke James. And it was so weird that he was like, well, we should start doing like a, a monthly happy hour. I was like, okay. Now, mind you, the name I had chosen was already Richie Sky. So, and for me, that was a take on Reach the Sky. And my friends picked that out for me. And so he said, well, because I was already kind of bringing music to all my friends' functions and stuff like that. And so he said, well, maybe you should start just playing the music at the, at the monthly happy hour. I was like, but I want to be in the crowd, like talking to people. He was like, no. He was like, if, think about it. If you are actually behind the booth playing your music, you can actually play your own music while you're spinning or doing the, you know what I'm saying? Like work your own music into what's already out there right now. And I was like, okay, that's smart. So the next thing you know, I, I kid you not, I'm literally being booked to DJ not i don't even have a board at this point i'm just playing song after song after song right mm -hmm. so somebody looked at me one day and was like a friend of mine he was like you might want to get like a a mixer or something like that mm -hmm. i was like good point got the mixer for a year I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the truth did not know what i was doing had no clue what i was doing just added the dj to my name and i just started getting booked it was crazy because at that point i was started to get like flown out to different places to do stuff and so, interestingly enough, we stopped doing the Morning Wood Show. We never took those videos down. So I kind of, doing all of this kind of brought me back to YouTube, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but when I moved to LA, I was determined that I wanted to continue in music. And so I actually went to LA Film School and I went to their music program. And I discovered that I absolutely hated it um, for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was lost for a little bit, for like a couple of months. I didn't know what I wanted to do. You were new to LA at the moment? Yeah, it was, I think it was, so I moved there in 2015. I started school July of 2015. I think I quit in November. I went to work at a marketing company and 
decided that I hated that drive. So I just, I just, one day I just didn't go back. Then I started serving at St. Felix in West Hollywood. And at the same time I started there was when I started at After Buzz TV. And okay. I noticed, and, I, and even then I was kind of like, well, I just kind of want to do my own thing. Like I knew I wanted to do Housewives, mm-hmm. but I was like, y'all don't have the show that's coming out with Kelly Rowland called Chasing Destiny. I was like, y'all don't have this on, this on the lineup. Can we do it? Can we add it? Mm-hmm. So we, we added it, but they were like, well, we need you to co-host with somebody that's already kind of been doing it for a while. So that's how I ended up meeting Jesse. And then one day when Jesse couldn't come in, that's how I met McCall. And then me and McCall just developed this like relationship. It was just, it was crazy. And we were doing married to medicine like every season. And yeah, I mean, I learned, I think I learned probably the most from her. That was a rhythm. She was very talented. Jesse is super talented and he's got his lane and, and McCall, she knocks everyone's socks off. And at this point, when you're finally in this building and getting sort of the mentorship with Kevin, is this when you're like, no, this is definitely where I need to be. Like, this is a defining moment a little bit? So, it, not really. I, it wasn't, that wasn't until later, I think. Um, because around that same time, it was so much that happened. It was like, I started After Buzz, auditioned for Bravo. Mm-hmm. Um, then at some point, I got a new job. And then I did the show, Stripped. And sort of, I fell into a space of like, okay, Number one, I knew I liked doing After Buzz and I knew it was for me, but I didn't, I didn't figure out who I was in that until I started leading shows, I think. Mm. And, and the reason I say that was because I had to dis- determine that I could not be Jesse, I could not be McCall, mm. but I could be me. Yeah, your own and stuff. I'm never, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a comedian, so I'm not... I don't give what Jesse does or what a McCall could do. I'm just, I'm, but I am animated. <laughs> that yeah. is something I know. So for me, it's like, that's, that's my gift. I mean, I'm excited, you know? Um, and I don't have to try to be anything other than just who I am. And I think once I fell into, okay, this is me and this is how I'm going to do things. I started to notice that they started to ask me to do more and, I think it just kind of grew from there. And I never said no to anything. Oh, okay. Very uh, Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, you just got to do it. You know, which I said earlier in my compliment to you, which was how you encouraged me. Because I, I was like, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. You're like, no, you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And that is important. So, um, you know, something one. I learned too while DJing was that one gig always led to the next. Mm. And I think that's why I always would say yes to things because I, in my heart, always know that this one thing that I'm doing that I'm putting energy and excitement into is going to lead to something else. I don't know what, but it always does. What is it like one, like one job begets the next job begets the next job. It's one of those things. Um, before I just have a couple of pop culture questions. I don't want to waste too much of your time. Do you want to explain one of your bigger setbacks and how you persevered through that is there anything you want to share as far as like you look back and you're like okay I don't regret anything but there was some setbacks and and what did you do to get through it hell yeah so uh, just being really honest I when I was in LA I my I think my biggest setback was was going to school there was trying to go to film school because it was very expensive and I just hated it I hated every aspect of it because 
when you go there, for me, my experience was, and I think for at that time, a lot of other people's experience was that they don't pay you. When you typically go to college for people who maybe haven't been or don't know what the process is or don't remember, you typically at request a specific amount for your loan. And then you request an over a payment so that you can have money to live off of. Well, they don't give you that, that overpayment until three months after you're in the program. And at that point, you are still, you are struggling. So the, the challenge is, do I go to school or do I go find work? Because I have to live. I have to, I have to pay rent. I have to pay bills. And, you're, and you guys aren't helping me with this. And it's hard to find consistent work because you're in school. So it came down to me trying to figure out, do I work or do I go to, um, or do I go to school? And ultimately that set me back in the sense of, you know, before I used to kind of consider myself being like a, an influencer or whatever you call that. But, you know, when I went, when I moved there the next year, I discovered, I, I fell into these hard financial times and I had to, you know, get all these loans and stuff like that. And so I constantly had these like loans and stuff like that hanging over my head, which ultimately made me depressed because I'd never had money issues before until I moved to LA. Yeah. Um, I wish I had known then that, um, I just wish I would have handled that differently. Yeah. I wish I, I would have started YouTube way back then because <laughs> then I would have had no financial issues. Um, but I didn't know what I know now, you know? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I guess that's why I say I wish I had not let it impact me mentally. And I wish I had had the belief and the faith to know that at some point in time, the, the money situation will be taken care of. Like, yeah. At that point, I just didn't, I was in over my head. I just felt like I didn't know what to do. So I don't, the only thing I could think of with bouncing back from that is that I discovered YouTube and that honestly, literally that first month I was like, what's happening here? That's what you said. Is this real? We've talked about that off camera, how you said how how it moved and and, and it's just, it's it's quite inspiring. Um, I just want to go to one thing. You said you were sort of in an influencer space, but you were really dark, you know, behind the scenes economically. Um, that's a wild exchange. I don't know what that is because I've never pushed myself as an influencer, but I do remember like doing morning radio on the Rick D show and going through like whatever, probably very similar, like low income at the moment, yet you're doing a job that you love. And I remember all the, you know, the fan base or whatever. And there's, and of course talking to Rick D's was like big spirit, but like, I feel like you might've had that similar thing when the money is so low, you're so dark, but then you got to somehow, here's the line. You got to go above the line to showcase influence. Like that is dark, Rich, isn't it? I mean, it feels no, like. Let me tell you the worst. Okay. This is something I probably, I've never, I don't think I've any, I've ever told anybody this. So I had to do, this was so crazy. I had to do a red carpet appearance and I went outside to look, to go drive to it. And I discovered that my car had been repossessed. That is when I had knew, I knew I hit rock bottom. And I told the guy that was working with me for my PR, I was like, I cannot go to this event. And he was like, I don't care what you have to do, but you are going to get here because the show has to go on regardless. And I, it was such an eye opening experience because I mean, the, I was able to get it back. It, the only problem was it was the weekend, right? So it's a Saturday. You can't get your stuff back until Monday. Mm -hmm. So you're just looking like, why did I let this go? Like, and it's just being negligent because w for one thing, 
you're like, well, where, where does my money go? Rent or my car. And I'm never going to be homeless. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a weird feeling because you're putting in all the work, but there's no like not reward, but there's no backing. Like that's a weird feeling too. Like people, some, and this is not a knock to if you work a nine to five, but like a lot of people will never know what that's like. I mean, maybe if you go to schooling, I believe is similar where you put in so much but no one will know like just how much you put in. And then you look at that bank account and it's like disrespectful. <laughs> um, I love these conversations, but I, because I would be wasted of, of time if I didn't do some pop culture stuff with you, just cause that is like your bread and butter. Before I ask my first pop culture question, I just got to tell you, okay, sacrilegious, but I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan on account of personality. Okay. Um, talent. Yes. But your friend Riley, is it? as what is what is she uh what is the title because she's like the most sought out uh beyonce entertainer yeah she's a beyonce impersonator yep so i like when i because i only started following riley through you you know working with you and then seeing that's your best friend and then seeing the work riley does and riley gives it to, I, i'm a riley fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is like my best friend which is so funny because we got closer when I moved to LA. Okay, okay. And she she didn't ever live in Los Angeles at the same time you did. No, she she grew up there, but she moved to the East Coast. Uh, I think when she was, a, I think she ran away from home actually. Oh, okay. insanely talented. Maybe somebody I'd like to interview at one point. Um, yeah. But I just had to mention that because I I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan. Huge Tina Knowles fan because she's goofy and corny, and I love it. Huge Solange fan on account of the music. Beyonce, I struggle with, but not Riley though. Not my Riley. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna ask you a couple shows and just tell me um, basically like who stands out. So on Real Housewives of Potomac, who are your top dogs of that show? Tough question because you like them all, but who are some of your favorites on Housewives of Potomac? So interestingly, um, it probably wasn't the case when we first started this show, uh, Monique. Yeah, I just, I just because I've had the opportunity to meet her, um, we actually went out to dinner, meet her and Riley, because her and Riley are best friends. Mm. Um, she's a she's a, a ball of sunshine. Like, she's a light. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I feel like she maybe she gets a lot of dislike from some of the other ladies because of that light. Um, Giselle is still one of my favorites. Um, that hasn't changed. I don't know why she just, there's something, there's a star quality there. And Karen, um, I've had the opportunity to, I've met Karen and had conversations with her and she, she is just like she appears on the show. She is fun. Nice. She's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm growing up, Rich. I'm, I'm, I'm not at the point where I'm like this or that. Now I'm starting to like them all. And Monique was my struggle season one, her season one. But yeah, no, she has really morphed into something that I enjoy. And I tend to like them all now. So there's a little bit of growth on my end, I must say. Um, Miami, because you've spent time in Miami. Um, it's a series that I never understood why it got canceled. I was heavy. I, I didn't either. I was heavy on Larsa Pippen episode, season one. Like, I was that kind of fan. Um, who of that franchise did you just enjoy? So it's interesting because my favorite season of that season was season two, where they had, like, eight cast members. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, that season, uh, Joanna Krupa, because I just felt like she brought it. Like, she had a built-in storyline with her sister. It was just everything. Um, who else that season stood out to me? 
Um, you know who, this is funny. So my co-host was Anna Kinkosas, yeah, who was yeah. on that show, right? And Anna on Real Housewives of Miami, completely different from the Anna in person. Okay, I don't know what, <laughs> they, they got it right in the sense that she is very well-spoken. They got it wrong in not showing her actual personality. Because uh, when, I, when, you, when you meet Anna in real life, she, it, I, I can't even explain it to you. Just, there's just a lot of energy there and she's a lot feistier than what they actually gave her on the show. Like what you see on the show, it was so much more. Um, the other person that I loved, which was, it's kind of interesting, was Lisa Hodgson. Oh, me too. She gave me the Larsa Pippen thing. Like, here's my thing with anybody. Whatever it is that you do, if you sit in that truth fully, go for it. Like Lisa told you, this is what it is. She didn't like, I mean, she was a nice woman as well. Gor gorgeous. Um, but she didn't like, you know, she wasn't trying to tell you she was Mother Teresa. She was like, this is what it is. I loved it. I loved it. I loved so much of that season. There's literally probably only one cast member that was a little troubling. Um, but I even like Karen. So nobody liked Karen. <laughs> I like Karen too. And the other, here's another thing. I do a lot of work with Karen's publicist. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they, soon, literally, as soon as I came down here to audition for the morning show, I met her publicist, and she got me a whole bunch of clothes to wear for my next couple of appearances. So it was, it was a really nice thing. So yeah, I like Karen a lot, actually. I think she just got a bad rap on that show. Well, as, as you mentioned with uh, your co-host from, from the talk show you guys did, sometimes they have their show Bible and it just is so tight and they don't allow um, people to really shine the way they are. Like I don't watch a lot of Beverly Hills housewives, but I know that I necessarily never liked the Erica Jane or I had no problem with it, but I'm more like, let's start editing Erica Girardi. Like I'd be totally on board for that. I feel like she's pretty cool. Um, going to go to a love and hip hop show. Who is standing out to you with love and hip hop Miami? Um, probably Sukiana. Okay. Um, she, I think she has that sort of almost Cardi B vibe, but like a Southern, even though she's from Delaware, but it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. But uh, I watched an interview she did with uh, my boy Funky Daniva and she, you know, it's interesting. She, she comes across, you know, she has kids and she was cooking for her kids while she was doing it. So the persona that we see on television in her music is quite different from you know, her day-to-day -day life, which is kind of interesting as well. Yeah. I like Miami tip on that show. They don't show much of her ever. I don't know why. Um, yeah, but that, that, that season I enjoy, but then also not sometimes. It's kind of off and on. Um, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Carly Red should be your number one, but let me see what you think. Uh, Atlanta. <laughs> so, you know, Carly Red to me, it's so funny that you brought her up, is integral to that show oh yeah that show probably wouldn't move without her um i used to think that that was jocelyn but it's honestly it's really always been carly mm -hmm. it has always been carly she stands out who else stands out as as well on that show it's so interesting because there there's always so many new people added to this to this franchise um mimi still stands out to me mm -hmm. and it's 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 because i feel like she, Rashida, and Carly kind of anchored that show. Yes, yeah. Um, gotta go to the all-star cast. 
Real Housewives of New York. Um, I just, for some reason, I'm asking you questions, but I'm giving my input as well. Um, I am such a Sonia Morgan fan and also Luann. And I'm interested to see how the season plays out because now it's like, you know, who's going to not necessarily take Bethany's role, but who's going to try to rise to that occasion? Is it going to be Dorinda? Is it going to be Leah? Like, what's going to happen? Um, but I plug in every week and I want more Sonia, Sonia, Sonia Morgan. I want her crest. I want her talking about being a bottom. All of it. Sonia Morgan will continue to give it to me. I got no issue with her. Sonia is <laughs> like, you know, this this season is, is kind of bananas with Sonia. So I'm loving what she's bringing. I don't particularly enjoy her the most. Mm-hmm. To me, she is necessary for the show, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite person on there, I have two at this point, is Dorinda, although I'm highly critical of how she's sort of channeling her aggressive energy with Tinsley because I felt like it's not a fair fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dorinda, I like because there's something real and raw about her that I just feel like it makes for really good television. And then Leah, the new chick. I, 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 I think that they needed somebody like her and they're going to need another person like her because obviously Tinsley's not going to be back. They're going to need another type of Leah character in order to keep the balance of energy from being Golden Girls and then like younger sex in the city. I, I do like an aged housewife, I will say. Are you at all upset? Because you used to tell me that you really liked Carol. I didn't necessarily see or understand Carol. And she is missed. She's missed. See, Heather's to me, missed. To huh? me, this would have been a great season to have Carol on. Because yeah. I feel like she would have definitely bridged the gap between Leah, Aaliyah, and a Dorinda. Right. Because, yeah. she, you well, know, Carol... Carol, I feel like when she's carefree, aside from that season that she was kind of bickering with Bethany, I feel like Carol, the carefree Carol, is, is she's, she's kind of a cool chick, you know what I'm saying? And she doesn't need to do that much in order to be, to me, interesting. Because not everybody could be Sonya. For every Sonya, you've got to have a Carol. Because they balance each other out, you know? Well, so Carol- I kind of miss that energy. Yeah, well, Carol was the one who said, oh, no, you guys are missing the point. She's nice, nasty. Like, Carol was very assertive, and she's like what we said about Lisa in Miami. She is authentically that. Like, people will get mad at her because she doesn't necessarily get hopped up on all these crazy things, but that is the life she's lived, so it's truthful. Richie, I could talk about these reality shows forever because you have such a perspective. I'm surprised they're not giving you the casting bag just yet because you (laughs) have a certain perception because he called Carol three years ago. He's like, oh, I like Carol, I like Carol, I like Carol, and I was like, oh, okay, she's I do too. But once she left, I was totally missing her. So um, ladies and gentlemen, give this kid the casting bag as well (laughs) as everything else. Thank you for your time. And thank you for taking the time to not do an interview that was just pop culture only. I really wanted to know successes, setbacks, and this is a new venture for me. So I thank you for being so freaking supportive or I can't even put a term on it, but thank you and keep on rocking, man. Any last words on your end? No, I mean, yeah, one thing. Success likes speed. So keep it moving, like Kim. Always, um, like, move. Whenever you have an idea, especially for anybody who wants to do anything in entertainment, just whenever you have the idea, just just do it. Like, don't wait about Don't think about it. Just put it out there. Because there's another phrase that I've been sort of, that's been repeating in my mind is that scared money doesn't make money. So... <laughs> 
Um, I, rap, I, I rap almost every show by asking whether you guys love her like I do. She's my queen. Um, say one cool-ass thing about J-Lo. Oh, my God. I have every J-Lo album out, okay? Um, okay, uh, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. You know, for me, I just, I feel like she's somebody that could put out an album every year, and I'm mad that she doesn't. That's probably, that's a compliment, but it's something I'm mad at. I'm with it. I People laugh at me because I'm so gassed by her, and, you know, it's like, oh, but, you know, can she vocally sing? I'm like, you know what? For somebody to honor Selena's legacy the way she did, but then also to create her own thing, like, that's kind of something that does not happen every day. To be 50 years old and be at the Super Bowl stage after Shakira, no less. She had the nerve and the audacity, Richie. I mean, <laughs> Shakira's resume is thick. J-Lo, who I love, she had the audacity to go after Shakira. So it's that passion that I look to on my darkest days where I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing creative-wise? So that's why I talk about J-Lo quite a bit. Anyways, thank you, uh, Richie. Um, your YouTube channel is just named after your name, correct? DJ Richie Sky, yep. Everybody. Okay, cool. To the limit, <laughs> reach the sky. Thank you, Rich. Thank you.